listening to the Loving Liberty Network, and this is the Liberty Mom Show. Liberty Moms are the original secretaries of defense. We are the real defenders of the home front. We are there when it comes to defending our families and our communities, and I am your host today, Delaine England. We're so happy to have you with us, and we have an amazing lineup of wonderful Liberty Moms. Our first Liberty Mom is going to be Tina Horlocker, and she's going to tell us about an event coming up. Utah Liberty Festival, is that right? That's right, the Utah Liberty Festival. It's coming up pretty quick here on June 17th and 18th. It is coming up. So tell us about your festival, Tina. All right, so what we're doing here is we are trying to help people understand what we need to do to save our Constitution and America. So we're bringing in over 20 speakers from across the nation, and we're going to be talking about all the subjects that we need to talk about and understanding what we need to do as citizens to change what is happening. Because if we don't change what is happening, we have no reason to expect anything is going to, is going to get better, only worse. And we're in a pretty bad place right now. Boy, that's for sure. I, I don't know that everyone understands the, the direness of our situation, but I think people are starting to realize that um, as inflation gets worse, as the border is left wide open, and we can just see the decisions that have been made in the past to really bring us more freedom and more prosperity, we're going against that. And so, yeah, we do need to get engaged, and there's so much that can be done, and we have found when we engage, we really do make a difference. We do have more power than we realize as citizens. Absolutely. We can change everything about everything. I, I've had a lot of people talking about how alarmed they are that Biden is turning over our, our, turning over our sovereignty to the who. But the truth about that is, is that there's no way he can do that unless we allow him to do it. So we have to stand up. We have to take what is rightfully ours and not allow anybody to do anything different, which means we just simply don't comply. We don't wear masks. We don't get vaccinated. Vaccines. We travel wherever we want. We also need to understand that um, all of the everything about the food shortages and the gas prices that that's all connected to the ESG scores, and that we need to also there's some different definite things that we can do to help alleviate that. So that's a lot of what these speakers are going to be talking about. We've got Dr. James Lindsay. Um, we have, he will be talking about the ESG, the WHO, the World Economic Forum, along with Mel Kay. Um, we, have a, we have a number of speakers who are going to be talking about what's going on at the border, um, the border crisis that's going on there. We have, um, we have Rear Admiral Chuck Kubik, who is President Trump's foreign top, top foreign policy advisor. And he is going to be talking about the border along with Tom Homan. They both are intimately aware of that. They were in um, Trump's administration and have a lot of intimate knowledge there. We also have President Trump's chief campaign 
advisor or chief of staff, I'm sorry, Cash Patel. He has a lot of information that he'll be telling us. We have Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer of Space Force. And if you don't know his story, you definitely need to know his story because he was trying to reveal the wokeness that's going on in the military that's going to destroy our military and, and really impact us. That And that's another thing that we just need to not participate in at all. And so these speakers are going to be really informing us. You need to come with a notebook and be taking notes so that you know what to do. Also, okay. also we also need you to reach out to your friends, your family, and your neighbors because they need to be at this event. We're also recommending the youth to come because our youth need to know what's going on. If they're going to be shouldering the, bur- the burden of, of all of this for decades to come, so we need to invite, we need to bring our youth so they can be aware of what's going on. And it's going to be a lot of fun. We've got Nathan Osmond also, and despite um, despite the seriousness of the things that we'll be talking about, there it will be also a fun event. We, um, Nathan Osmond will be giving a full concert that evening, and it's just going to be so much fun and inspiring and patriotic. Wonderful. And so tell us when it is, Tina. Okay, so it's June 17th and 18th at the Maverick Center. Tickets, we've tried to keep the tickets um, very reasonable. They're only 30, well, actually, they're $49, but we're having a Memorial Day special this weekend of $39. And if you buy your tickets today, right today, you can um, avoid the fees that the Maverick Center is going to have to put on the ticket um, as we turn over our ticketing system to them. That will only increase at about $10, but if you buy it right now, you'll be able to avoid that. Um, so uh, we also have a VIP dinner on the Friday night, which is a more intimate setting. And at that, we are going to be hearing from Cash Patel, Rear Admiral Chuck Kubik, and Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer. I'm telling you, that is going to be something you don't want to miss. Those The seating for that is very limited, and those tickets are going fast. so. That's something you don't want to miss. It's going to be an amazing event. Okay, Gina, so how how do people get their tickets? Okay. All right, so you can go to utahlibertyfestival.com, utahlibertyfestival.com, and that's where you can purchase your ticket and get more information on all of our speakers and everything else that's going to be happening. And we, we will also have a lot of vendors. So if you're hearing this and you're a vendor and you want to do that, you can go to our website. Oh, and one more really important thing. Um, veterans are invited for free. So if you're a veteran, you can RSVP at the website or you can just show up on the Saturday, bring your military ID. But we would like to know you're coming if you could RSVP on the website. So that's utahlibertyfestival.com. That's awesome. I love that the veterans get to go free. That's a great token of appreciation that we can give them for their great service and sacrifice. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tina. Thank you for joining us and all the best. That's a, a great event that is, gives people an opportunity to get educated and get involved. Thank That's you so right. much. Thanks, Thanks for being for with us. Me. Thank you. Okay. As I promised, we have a great lineup of Liberty Moms. So we're going to start with Elaine Moore and she has been, all of these ladies have been intricately involved in the election integrity process. And so Elaine's going to go over a certain segment of that. And then we have Jennifer Washington that is going to be speaking. And then we'll eventually, can't wait to get to Wendy Hart. 
She has been very involved in this as well, and they've been a great team, and they have been working on this, ladies, I would say two years. How long has it been? It seems like five, but how long have we been? I guess ever since the election. Yeah, since November 3rd for me. I can't speak for everyone. Right. Okay, so Elaine, tell us what your discoveries have been. So I have done the voter registration canvas here in Utah, and as we did that, we were able to um, reach 6,655 of those registered on our list. Um, We had 4,094 responses, and we found 671 issues. So we came out with a um, for a total 13% issue rate. And of that issue rate, we had 9% could impact a vote. When you say 9% could impact could a vote? Could impact a vote. Mm-hmm. That, and that's overall. And then, of course, when I speak, I break it down into smaller groups, county, precincts, and samples. And we go through the different issues there. But overall, that's what we found. And that that, to me, was pretty alarming. But you also have to remember that one in four of the responses we got were hidden, meaning one of four responses we have no records to compare to. So we don't know if there's an issue at that particular um, record. We don't know if it's they're registered at the correct address. We don't know if their ballot was processed. So um, it really exposed the whole private, withheld, public issue we have with our voter rolls as well. Okay, I want to be sure that all myself and all of our guests understand, or our listeners understand what you're saying there. So you're saying that of the 11% that you found issues with, that a fourth of those had other no. issues that you can't identify? No, so we only can count issues of the records we received. So we had um, 4,000, let me read it again. Let me get back to my notes here. Uh, We had 4,094 responses. Now, one in four of those were records we do not have. They're with private or withheld. So we cannot use. So what you're saying is that you're, what you're saying is that those are people who have gone in to the system and said, I want my information withheld. I want it to be private. Um, not necessarily, but okay. they are marked private or withheld. And most of them actually complained that they never did that. So I don't know. Interesting. So you're saying that they're, they're withholding that if the, the county or the state is withholding that information, saying it's private and withheld and won't give it to you, even though the people are not claiming that they don't want you to have it. Yeah, that's a huge issue that we needs to be looked into because most of the people are like, why am I not public? I should be public. I never marked private. I never marked withheld. Seriously. But, so of the 4,000 responses, we had 671 issues, which came out at 13% issue rate for the records we have. And the reason I bring up the hidden records is because that's a lot of people that we have information on that we have no records to compare if there is an issue. So people just need to be aware that, you know, because of the way the laws are in Utah, doing watchdog election integrity efforts is very difficult. Wow, that is really, really impactful because what you're really saying is 
that it's not it's not even possible to really do a real audit as it stands because you can't get the information to really know what's valid and what is not valid. Yeah, so that's why we don't do any statistical um, analysis to to guess because we're missing so much of the information. So we are literally just taking the numbers. So 13% of the people that we have records for that responded to us had issues. And those issues, our top four issues are lost votes, meaning they voted and there's no vote in the system. Now, if the county contacted, they're not counted. So we don't count them as a lost vote if the county contacted them with an issue. These are all people that the county did not contact who their vote was not counted. Um, We had a method mismatch, and that means that the way they voted does not match in the system. For instance, they might say, no, I put my ballot in the drop box at the city hall. And in our records, it says they voted early in person. Or they might have said, I went in person on November 3, and I voted because that was very important to me. But the record has a by-mail vote cast on the 19th of October. So that is a method mismatch. Then we have our phantom or ghost votes, and these are votes that we have no idea. Uh, They said they did not vote, but the system has a vote for them. We don't know where that vote came from, but there's a vote for them, and they are adamant that they did not vote in the election and then our fourth category that is our top issues is the ineligible and that means that according to the requirements for being registered to vote they don't meet those that can mean they don't live at the address the address doesn't exist um, they're deceased um, and they could have voted or they may just be registered. So they may be ineligible voter or they may be an ineligible registrant and those were the top four issues we found in Utah. Wow. So that is really, that is really impactful. I know I spent four days down in Las Vegas doing a similar thing. We were going door to door to get this data and to talk to the actual voters and find out. We were really only looking for, did they vote by mail or did they vote in person? Because the county said they voted by mail, but there was something in the county system that triggered a mismatch, something that wasn't right about that. And so we went around door to door. So in four days, I went around door to door and we um, we we knocked on, you know, hundreds of doors. But we talked to about 200 people and half of those people, I got over 100 affidavits from people. And this was just one issue. Did you vote by mail? And over half of them stated that they did not vote by mail, even though the county showed that they had voted by mail. And most of those people actually went and got their ballot and showed me their ballot to prove that they had, they said, do you want my ballot? I did not vote by mail. And they were very upset that they were, it showed, the system showed that they voted by mail and they didn't. So they were very concerned and alarmed and sure that someone had gone and voted in their name um, showing that by mail, even though they had gone into the county and voted personally or else they had not voted at all. So this is really in line with what we're finding in Las Vegas, basically. And yeah, so what, what people really need to recognize is one, overall, because some areas we had higher, 
um, issue rates and higher impact of votes. But overall, 13%, 9% impact of votes for our sample is huge. And then we have all of this information we can't look at. We don't know what's in it. But the third thing is, why are we finding the exact same issues that state after state after state after state has been finding? We, you know, we're not one of the key states um, that the, everyone's looking at, but we have the exact same issues. And so people have got to um, start looking at this. Why is this happening here? We need to get to the bottom of it. Okay, so Elaine, there is there is one concern that I have in everything that you're saying is the vote is private. So we want our votes to be private and we want to protect that. So part of the problem is you can't have access to that information. And also part of the problem is, should you be able to have access to that information? Yeah, and that's a really good point. You know, our voter records are not private. They get sold and used (laughs) all the time. Um, Mostly the person who has the least access is the citizens. Um, Personally, we did some fixes in the legislature, but there is no reason that I couldn't sign an NDA and say, I'm doing election watchdog, I'm doing canvassing, I will be responsible. All my volunteers sign NDAs, um, that they could be responsible with that information. And then secondly, there's no reason that any citizen couldn't get it with the private information redacted. But one of the issues that I have found that I wasn't able to just, I wasn't asking the question, but I found a lot, is people did not ask to be withheld. They did not ask to be private. And you will find that with people going to the caucus. How many people were upset because they weren't on the list and now they didn't get to vote um, for their delegate? You know, It is a big issue here in Utah. And there is no reason whatsoever that we can't have responsible adults, because we're all adults, be able to use this information. Now, even with the laws in place, it's all over the place, sold to third parties. Uh, your health department can sell it. They can give it away um, according to the state law. So this, you're not protecting private information the way they try and make it sound. You're protecting the public and the citizens from getting the information and the candidates and the political parties to get limited information. You're controlling it. Absolutely. That is so well said. Thank you so much, Elaine. That is so powerful because we as citizens, and I have found this to be without exception, wherever I have been in the state of Utah or any other state, and especially in Nevada and Arizona, I have found citizens of every party say they want their their vote to count and they want it to count accurately, even if it isn't in favor of who won or even if you know, their vote didn't go to the winner, they want their vote to count authentically. I think that is the beauty of America. That is what a republic is, is that we can vote, we have a say, and our vote counts equally to everyone else's. So that is extremely important. Elaine, you've been working so hard on this, and you've been doing so much background work for so long. And this, is, this has to take a lot of time. It did. We were trying to guesstimate hours, but, you know, we've been doing this for eight months. Of course, we have weather and different things. Um, but even if you take the 6,000 uh, voters that we reached and then you took a few minutes, it's it's thousands and thousands of hours that we've spent doing this. And the one thing that I think is interesting is they say the only type of fraud we have in Utah is moms voting for missionaries. 
I'll tell you, I didn't find that. So uh, first of all, if you're a missionary and you're registered at your address, that's your primary address and you're able to vote. So it's kind of disingenuous in the first place. But yeah, that's not our issue here in Utah. Our biggest issue is lost votes. So then you have to ask yourself, if we're finding so many lost votes, how is our turnout that high? Good point. Very good question. Great question. Okay. We're going to bring Jen into this conversation. Thank you so much for being with us, Jen. And I know, Jen, you have been working very hard on this as well. I know that I know that we all have actually we're this like a reunion. (laughs) We all went to Mike Lindell's symposium. We're all there together. And we have all been very concerned since the election, just because of the numerous inconsistencies. It wasn't like one thing, numerous inconsistencies. And that's why we've all gotten involved and all thought, you know, we need to do a little due diligence. We need to do our homework. We hope the election is real. We want it to be, but if it's not, we need to know about it because it really is our responsibility to vet the elections and make sure that they're real. It really is our responsibility. So, Correct. Elaine, tell us what you have been working on. Um, Jen, Not everything because so, we don't have that much time, but no, you're just telling us some of the things. <laughs> so some of the things we've been looking at recently are, um, as you all are aware, HB 313, which um, did pass by Representative Hawkins, um, had cameras on our drop boxes. Then there was a little problem, and it got removed. Then it got added back on. But we found out the other day that they only keep the footage for 30 days. So, uh, you know, they took away the 22-month protection. And I would just ask the question, how is footage of the Dropbox videos, especially after 2,000 mules, not voting material, right, and should be kept for 22 months? I'm just curious how that was, you know, discussed and why you'd ever remove uh, keeping that material. So that's one of the things. The other is, uh, you've probably heard a little bit about it, but Utah County has Votes app, which is voting on an app, and it literally says internet-based smartphone usage, and it's for military and disabled. And we found out the other night that it's not just Utah County. They just, they're the only ones with Votes app. There's other counties using online voting for military and disabled vets it's just the federal program version of it um and so i understand we want ease right we all want this convenience access and military that's very difficult you're overseas i get it but it's internet based it's blockchain and blockchain has and can be hacked period and uh so i think the question to the public is is convenience worth losing you know your country over possibly because if enough votes are hacked and manipulated You've lost your country. And uh, so that's, I think, a question that every American's going to have to start asking themselves. What's more important? You know, is it securing the vote, protecting the vote, and making sure it's honest and transparent and what it is? Or is it convenience? Well, what difference does it make to have convenient elections if they're not even real, if it doesn't even matter? So, okay, Elaine and and Jen, stay with us. Everyone will be right back. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to continue this discussion. Thank you.
Welcome back. You are listening to the Loving Liberty Network, and this is the Liberty Mom Show. I'm your host today, Delaine England, and I have amazing Liberty Moms with us. I'm so delighted to have Elaine Moore, to have Jen Washington, and Wendy Hart join us. So we're talking about election integrity, and this really is one of the most important things that we are dealing with today. And there are a lot of things that are super important because ESG, if we don't have, if we don't, if we allow a social credit score to come in and control us, we've lost our liberty. If we allow anybody, the government or our bosses to mandate our, our medical procedures, if they get to decide what we do with our bodies, we've lost our freedom. And, um, of course, if we don't get to decide, if we don't really have a republic if we can't have honest and honorable, real elections. We've really lost everything because you cannot have any freedom if you don't have elections. So this is truly one of the most important topics. And it, I, am, I am heartened that I see people becoming more aware and seeing the inconsistencies and getting more and more concerned. And that is really what it's going to take to fix our voting system is for people to wake up and to realize it is really past being at risk. We are really in trouble. And you ladies have brought up some amazing points. So Jen, before we took a break, you were talking about VoteSap. And this is just unbelievable. I'm just, I'm aware that they have been using this and I just cannot wrap my brain around how anybody thinks it is safe or a good idea to have a voting app that is connected to the internet. Agreed. Agreed. I, and I would actually suggest everyone go to your um, town hall meetings with your clerks that they're having because January is their secure election 2022, you know, month or, or excuse me, January is the month and now they're doing these town halls around it. Um, and they're going to do their pre audit, you know, deal display for the public June 3rd. So for each county, find out what time that is. But you should go and ask. You should ask, A, if it's connected, right? Um, if you've yes. got voting apps or online voting and uh, if they support that, if they agree with it, if they don't, you know, why they agree with it, why they don't, um, and start opening that conversation. Because the clerks, and I, again, we want to reiterate, the clerks are not bad guys or nefarious, you know, those kinds of things. Um, but they they are in certain groups and committees and things like that where they're, you know, told how awesome this is and how fabulous this is and they start believing it and you just kind of have to remind them of the other side of it. Maybe they it's are great, told, maybe it's yes. not. They are told that it's great. They are told it's secure. And, you know, when you just keep being told that constantly and you go to these big conventions and conferences where everyone's so excited and it's so easy to kind of get wrapped up in the emotion. And I do want to reiterate what Jen said, our election clerks, I do not believe the ones that I know, I believe are very honorable and not to say I could, couldn't be wrong, but I don't distrust our election clerks. I do not feel that it is an issue with them specifically, but the system we really do need to look at the system, and it, it, it's insanity to me that we would allow any anything hooked up to the internet regarding voting for sim- the simple reason that we all know there are two huge issues with being connected to the internet, and one is voter security. Like, it can be hacked. All of that personal, private information, your votes, 
all that can be hacked and you can we know that anyone can be hacked because almost everyone has been hacked let's be honest right. like all these big companies huge huge companies had and government entities have all with all their security have been hacked several times so we know that that can happen and the other thing we also know is whenever you can be hooked up to the internet algorithms and that they, they can be hacked by a system that someone can hack into the system and change the algorithms, change the outcome, change the way that it's counted. That we all know that is set what one of the exciting things about technology is how you have the capacity to do that in positive ways. It can also be used in negative ways. And so this is really important. Now, Jen, are you saying that on June 3rd, every county is having every single county is having an open house across yeah. the state of Utah. Yep. Yep. So we, we need everyone. This is important because they are they feel the pressure on the other side. They've they've seen the commercials. They've gone to their meetings and conventions. They felt this pressure and they've gotten caught up in the excitement of it. They need to feel the pressure of their constituents, their citizens. And this is the year to do it because I think they're all running. I don't think there's any counties that Josh don't have is not. Someone. Utah County is he's okay. not running again. Um, but you have Aaron Davis, and then there's an independent Jake Oaks. Running. But I mean, everybody has one up for election. Yes. I mean, everyone's voting for their county clerk and their county auditor right now. This is the year that everyone across the state is voting for that position. So it is a year they're more inclined to listen to the citizens. And it's also the time we can hold them accountable. Say, if you're elected, will you do this? Will you do this? Will you make sure we get rid of the, the computers all the way around and they need to feel loving pressure. They need to feel pressure, but done in the most respectful, loving manner, because don't we all like to be talked to in a respectful manner? We're much more willing to do what people want and to listen than if we're yelled at and screamed at and called out. I, I really, really applore to everyone to do it with respect, but do it very you know, very clearly firmly. and very, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Jen. Firmly and clearly. Firmly. Respect. Yes, yeah. firmly. <laughs> okay. So, um, Jen, you were going to talk about early voting. It's one of yeah. my, one of my two favorite things to hate early voting yep. because in our constitution, we have voting day and now we have voting three weeks right. and um, voting month kind of thing. And as someone who's worked on numerous campaigns, I find it extremely frustrating as a voter, I find it extremely frustrating mm -hmm. because even though it sounds really wonderful, you have three weeks to decide, um, at least a third of the people vote on the first day. And then if they find out or change their mind, there's nothing they can do. That's exactly it. The early voting is a problem. Same with the same day registration. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, but the early voting, uh, it's, it's problematic for the candidates. You have far less time to actually vet your candidates. And I want to remind everyone in Utah working on campaigns and things like that for the candidates, you don't have as much time as you think you have. You do not have until June 28th. You have until June 7th, you know, when they drop 6th or 7th. I can't remember off the top of my head, but 6th or 7th when they drop the early voting ballot. And like you said, a lot of people vote that very first when they get them. You know, they just boop and go and do it. So, um, yeah, I think we, people need to kind of remember that. You have a very small window at this juncture, you know what I mean, to get the word out for your candidate. And so if you're doing flyers or door-to-door, -door -door, you, you need to get on it and get that out there because you don't have as much time as you think you've got. 
You really don't. And so all that, and, and the other thing is, as a candidate, you've got to be prepared and ready by June 7th to 10th is when people will get their, their ballots. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you can't just go, okay, that's the date because the only one third of the people have voted. So you really have to keep campaigning. So it's, it's problematic because you have this constant flux in the system where you have a third of the people have voted, but you still have two thirds that haven't. And so then the next week, another third, but you've still got to appeal to that last third. So it really is very difficult for candidates that are running. But I also find as a voter, it's also very frustrating because we, we, we kind of, it's so convenient having your ballot right there at home. You can be just lounging. And I do love that aspect, which is why several times I have done a, an absentee ballot for that reason, because it's nice to have your ballot and see it in advance. But I think another um, way to solve that is by, you know, the, the, the county can have it on their website. Exactly. And, and also, um, as not just the county, but like newspapers will put it in mm-hmm. there, which is also very helpful. Okay, so anything else you want to say about that? Nope, I just I wanted to remind everyone, you know, make sure that you keep that in mind. You don't have as much time as you think you've got. Okay, so, awesome. Good point. Mm-hmm. Okay, and now we're going to welcome Wendy Hart. Wendy Hart, thank you so much for joining us. Wendy, you're going to be talking about SB 54. I, I am. Um, I, I love to hate SB 54. So tell us what SB 54 is and what your issue is with it. Okay. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Okay. Um, so before I do that, I just want to kind of comment on stuff that Jen and Elaine have said. Um, one of the issues that I have with the votes app, because I was a candidate for a special election where we use the votes app entirely. And there is absolutely no way without going out as a candidate and hiring a cybersecurity firm that you can have a poll watcher. You just, they, you know, they, they, everybody votes, they tell you what the results are. And as a candidate, I am supposed to just trust that everything went well, because there are no checks and balances at all on the outcome of that election. Can't be done. And and, and that brings me to my second point, kind of, you know, jumping off of what Elaine said about the, the hidden, um, hidden vote, voter registration, right? Um, the only chance that we have as citizens to directly impact our government is through the ballot box. And what that means is that system needs to be open and transparent to us as the voters. I, as an individual voter, need to be able to verify that my vote is properly cast, properly counted, and that everyone else, not just me, but that everybody else who is voting is also legally allowed to vote and had done, has done so appropriately. And the more we go to technology, the fewer and fewer people who are available and, and have the technological expertise to be able to give that information to voters. So at every turn, we are now having to trust experts instead of ourselves in our own eyes. And so that, that you know, when, when I talk to elected officials, they say, well, prove to me that, that there was a problem. Well, it, like Elaine said, I can't prove you, anything to you because it, it's not a transparent process. 
um, the government needs to make it a, a transparent process so that they they are under the obligation to prove to us as voters that it's an acceptable uh, and valid election. And that's what I think everybody's forgotten. So I love that, Wendy. So well said. <laughs> Good point. So on SB 54, um, this is something that I think the average person has not been aware of. And with so many more people getting involved in party politics in, you know, they're realizing that that they have the power as the sovereign citizens of uh, of the states. We as individual people, it's government of, by, and for the people. And so we need to be involved and it comes down to us. And one of the things that we have done as individual citizens under our First Amendment rights, we have freedom of association. And so we associate And we have created political parties and you can agree or disagree with political parties, but the the idea behind it is a first amendment, right? That we sit around and we say, Hey, these are the things that we stand for as a group of individuals. And we want to elect candidates that reflect these values. And everyone in the nation has the freedom to associate and to do that and to establish. These are the principles that we we support, and these are the people that we want to have represent us and to act, you know, on our behalf with those principles. So as part of that, and my understanding is that, you know, decades ago, pretty much every state in the union had a caucus similar to Utah's where you meet in your local precincts. That's your neighborhood. You know, it's maybe, you know, 500, 700 people, literally your neighbor's. The people that you walk past every day walking your dog, these are the people that you meet together with and you elect from that same group of people, literally your neighbors, to say, hey, why don't we get together and we'll send a a group of you to go and interview the candidates because we recognize, you know, a U.S. Senate seat, 1.4 million voters, right? So, I don't care who you are. You cannot meet with 1.4 million voters and be vetted and ask the hard questions. Then you're, you know, big marketing firms and everything else, right? So big money gets to play in there. So you can see that big money really likes to be able to have an influence. Um, But the idea behind the caucus is we have individual people voting for their individual neighbors and saying, go vet these candidates. And here's the platform we want you to use as the template. How close do these people align with that platform? And then those delegates to get together and they vote and they say, yep, this person, oh, you know, by far and away matches that platform more than the other person. And in that case, back in the day, if you got 60% or more of the vote, then you didn't have a primary election because as that group of people, we said, yep, they, they quintessentially represent our values. On the other hand, you might get a 45-55 split. Well, that's not nearly as clear. And so then, and I think this is brilliant. Well, it's not that clear. But of those two people, we kind of feel like either one of them is pretty close. So then we bring it to the entire, you know, electorate of that party to then further vet those candidates and say, okay, between these two, because we all know it's easier to vet between two as opposed to 10. And so, you know. Yeah. So, so again, we've, we've narrowed down the field and we say, okay, now it's close, 
But, you know, we're not willing to say yes. This, this select group of delegates is willing to say yes, definitively this person over this person. So then we open it up to a primary election and everyone registered in that party can then say, yes, we actually want this to occur. So having given that background, that's how we used to elect, you know, and then whoever that representative from the party was goes on to a general election with the other representatives from their respective parties. And and that seemed to work really well. And nobody had problems with it until 2010. And what happened in 2010 was Senator Mike Lee was elected. And, and, and it's important to understand that he came in second in the delegates in the convention process. He did not win outright. It was, there was a primary election and he was in that, I don't remember the numbers, but he was in that 45, 55 kind of scenario, right? And, um, but the problem with the powers that be was that our then sitting U.S. Senator Robert Bennett was not one of those two finalists. And so all of the people who had campaigned and donated money over the course of however many years he'd been in office, all of a sudden their guy is not even, there's no option for him to be on the ballot. And that just sent shockwaves through the powers that be. And, it, you know, it's like, well, we can't trust the delegates to do what we want them to do. And that's a really bad thing. So we've got to come up with some other way of doing that. So um, and then, then again, in that election, Mike Lee actually won as as the, the, the Republican nominee from the entire Republican Party, you know, primary voters. So the, the argument is that, well, you know, the delegates elect these really wild extremist types and they point to Senator Lee as that outlier. And yet he was not the preferred candidate of the delegates. So I just point that out, that he was the preferred candidate of the primary voters. Um, so in 2014, there was an organization called Count My Vote that said, hey, what we need to do is get rid of this caucus convention system, because when delegates ask really pointed questions of candidates, they tend to get um, that, you know, they, they get past all of the fluff of, of what we're putting on billboards and TV ads, and they see through that, and we can't possibly have that occur. And so they said, what we need to do is we need to appeal to mass media. We don't want hard questions asked. We want to do, you know, our propaganda stuff. And so we've got to have a way to get people on the ballot without going through this vetting process. And so we they want a way to buy our way onto the ballot. Because we're used to just buying our way in convention. And when that didn't work, they're like, wow, that's getting too risky when we actually have to face that actual real life people. So we need to get rid of that process. So we can just buy, buy our way and assure that we're going to be on the ballot no matter what. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so that's what they did. So they, they, they started a citizen uh, initiative to put on the ballot, to allow um, people to get signatures into completely bypass and get rid of not, not even just bypass, but get rid of the caucus convention system. And they went to the, the legislators in the Utah House and the Utah Senate, and said, "Hey, this is a problem, and what we and and we have we have enough signatures. They claimed they had enough signatures to be able to go forward with the ballot initiative, but we want to make a compromise with you. In my opinion, if they had had enough signatures, they wouldn't have made the compromise. So there's. That. Have you ever heard of that? We have everything. We can have it all, but we're willing to compromise. I mean, when someone has it all, they don't aren't the ones who go and say." Let's do a compromise. If you don't have everything, then you go say, 
can we meet in the middle? Can we do a compromise? We're right. not going to get what we want 100%, so we're willing to. So it's it defies all reality and, yeah. and intelligence. Yeah, absolutely. Self-evident that they did not have the signatures. Right. But the legislature, for whatever reason, bought into it, and so they worked on a compromise deal to, as the legislator said, save the caucus. And that compromise deal allowed the caucus and convention to continue. We still can elect delegates. The delegates can still vote in convention. But then you can also buy your way onto the ballot by paying people to gather signatures and then, you know, and and either face the delegates or never face the delegates. But you can just buy your way onto the ballot and get all of your mass media marketing, which means that somebody with a lot of money can basically pay to put someone on the ballot in the state of Utah. And I believe it was um, in one of the lawsuits around this, someone said, could, you know, somebody like uh, Bernie Sanders actually be the Republican nominee in the state of Utah through the signature path? And would that be okay, even though he doesn't match with the party platform? And the, the answer is yes. You, you could absolutely have somebody who is diametrically opposed to whatever platform it is be on the, the, the party platform or the nominee for that party through the signature path. So SB 54, which stands for Senate Bill 54 from 2014, was the bill that put into law the ability to buy your way on the ballot. And there, there's no two ways around it. Now, the reason that that's a problem, again, is that it, it adds a whole host of big money into the electorate. It creates a situation where you're going to have primary elections where you didn't need primary elections and you run into a scenario where you'll have four and five and six people on the primary ballot. And then they turn around and they say, well, that was bad because, you know, in our last gubernatorial election, uh, Spencer Cox only won the the Republican primary with 37 percent of the vote. It's not a majority. So now we need to fix that. And so now we have to go into alternative voting. So they they create the problem and then they bring in all of these other problems in order to fix what they broke initially. And Which so cause more problems. Absolutely. And and put in more money and 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 less election integrity along the line. And so um, just uh, this last week, the uh, Republican uh, State Central Committee voted to um, call on our legislature to repeal SB 54 and allow the First Amendment freedom of association for whichever party. And I, you know, and if this were the Democrat Party, the Green Party, whomever, I would stand behind absolutely anybody's right of free association to determine who their nominee is. So, you know, and I just want to put a little caveat to that, Wendy, is that the state central committee, not they didn't just pass a resolution, but it passed unanimously. There was not one descending vote. Every single person on the state central committee that attended voted to call upon our legislature to repeal SB 54, to get rid of the signature path alternative. Yep. That we want to be able to, as a private organization, have the constitutional right to right of association and to govern ourselves and our own party the way that we see fit and pick our own representatives to represent us. Absolutely. So it was it was quite amazing, I thought, personally. Yes. Okay, we've only got one minute left, so I'm going to just open it up to whatever you'd like to say to just wrap it up. We want to remind everybody... June 3rd, get it on your calendar. 
contact your election clerk, find out what time they're holding their open house. It will be either, it could be five, it's most likely six or seven, and find out what time and get people to show up and go find out and be educated by them and then educate them. Tell them how important election security is. We've got to get off the the computers, off the internet of all kinds, every type. Absolutely. Yep. I think, um, and I'll let others jump in, but I think the biggest thing is that this is a team effort that takes everybody, takes the entire community, it takes the entire state working on elections. It's huge. It's a massive project, and there's so many moving pieces. It takes everybody being involved and asking questions. Thank you so much. You're amazing Liberty Moms, and we appreciate it. And remember that you are the defender of our liberty. Have a great day.